Hello, listener. We're going to say some fucked up shit. That's your warning. Have a nice episode. Hey, Emmy. Yeah. Do you know whose intro it is this week? Um, is it Steffi's? Oh, shit. I think it is Steffi's intro this week. Where is she? Shit. I lost her in Indiana. Oh, my God. I can't believe you let her go back to Indiana. That place is a hellscape. We live in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I know we live in Texas. I was listening to someone talk today and uh, th- he was talking, was, I work in a medical clinic and so I heard a patient talking to his dad today and his dad was like, who are you going to vote for for governor? And the guy goes, saw probably Beto. And he was like, not Greg. And uh, the kid goes, he's like 19 or something. And he goes, nah, he's too short. <laughs> Of all the reasons to give. <laughs> but it's funny. It's Emmy. It's funny because he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, my God. I do not support making fun of people with disabilities unless they are Greg Abbott. <laughs> and happen to I, be terrible I was gonna say, people. I don't support making fun of people with disabilities unless they're people with disabilities in, political, in positions of political power who outright back policies and programs that hurt people with disabilities oh yeah greg abbott was the one who like put a limit on the amount of money you could get from like a uh a a settlement in court for like an, an accident that you were in um after he received like millions of dollars in a court settlement when he was like hit by a car when he was younger Republicans <laughs> forever and always the party of hypocrisy. Oh yeah. Bro, why are we talking about Republicans? Um I have a very important question for you. It's 2022. No, it's not 2022. It's actually miraculously still 2021. Uh, Despite consi- <laughs> all of this time between their our last episode and this yeah. one. Um, it is December 7th of 2021. Hopefully this, this episode goes out soon so people aren't listening to it and being like, they recorded this two weeks ago. Why isn't it, will. it out? Because you all get a special bonus surprise, and that is it's now Emmy editing. Yes. Because Emmy has been laid off again. <laughs> and Sarah yeah. is working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not that I don't like editing. It's that, you know, I mean, with you not working at all and me working a lot, it actually makes a lot more sense for you to edit right now. And we can always switch off, you know? I can edit an episode before work one morning. I'm really waiting to see how long it'll take before my boss contacts me and is like, hey, um, yeah, we're going to need you to actually come back like right <laughs> now because the department that I was in, there were four of us. They laid off and apparently now one of the other people and the thing is there's four people but split into two teams two of them do like set up appointments and then the other two of us handle like any issues and dealing with all the images and stuff and uh we do like the technical side of it they laid off me and one of the people that sets up appointments 
So it's just one of the sets of appointments, which they have different territories they're in charge of. So I guess now that person is just in charge of both of their territories for the time being. Excellent. And uh, the person that I was sharing responsibilities with is now alone. And last year uh, when I started, or I guess earlier this year when I started and she'd been alone for months, she was on the brink of a nervous breakdown. Oh my God. And they thought it was a good idea to do this again and see how it goes. So I don't anticipate it lasting too long. I'm just hoping it doesn't last long enough that I actually have to find another job. Yeah, I I can I, <laughs> I can sympathize with that. I was offering, I told Emmy that one of our locations for my job was hiring and I was like describing everything to her. And she got, she literally just told me as we sat down to record, she was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to be for me. So <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, I mean, no, the job is, as you described it, fast paced and it's all customer interaction. And I'm like, no, that's like the opposite of what if, I should be doing. If it makes you feel any better, um, because it's in the medical field, people have a different level of respect than they do for you in like cu- regular customer service, because like you're in a, you're literally working in a medical clinic. So they're not like looking at you like some dirt bag at a cash register. They're like, talking to you because you're in charge of their health care so people are generally a lot more nice where I'm currently working than any customer service job I've ever had somebody gets snippy with me oops it looks like I've just deleted your entire patient file I'm gonna need you to fill out all this paperwork for me oh my god <laughs> I would they never come up do and that. call me a tranny and I'm just <laughs> like oops I'm sorry uh, <laughs> And looks like your insurance hasn't authorized this appointment. Uh, <laughs> that'll be three hundred dollars. Um, that'll be two thousand dollars. <laughs> Never mind. That'll be two thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Whenever I would go to, uh, I haven't actually been to my psych appointments in a while. Mm-hmm. But when I would go, it was like I would see stuff. It's like it's like three hundred dollars if you don't have insurance, and I'm just yeah. Like, Uh, uh, hi I'm American (laughs) so I mean like I don't know how other places run it I do know that our place is generally cheaper than a lot of other places in the area because we're not like specifically affiliated with any hospitals um our cash prices if you don't have insurance are much cheaper than our unauthorized rate if your insurance didn't give us the okay so like say for example you wanted to have an mri done and you don't have insurance it'll be 425 dollars, which is a lot but if you have blue cross blue shield and they don't approve your appointment that'll be 1200 dollars. that's <laughs> i mean if you did they do approve your appointment it's not going to be as much but Thank you. Please give me medical treatment. I am now filing bankruptcy. Yes. Uh, this is, I, this is a great example of like the American healthcare system making no fucking sense. A lot of the time it, if like, like barring like serious medical conditions, it is more affordable to not have health insurance, which is, um, insane, but yeah, a lot of places, the cash rate is cheaper, but 
if you have like a serious incident, then you're going to be thousands of dollars in debt. So it's like have health insurance, but just don't use it <laughs> unless you have or an emergency. Alternative. If you have a consistent issue that you have to take medication for, it's better to have insurance. Yes. For like, because I've been paying non-insured prices on my meds and I'm just like, oh my God, I want to die. Yeah, you should get health insurance. My health insurance starts in January. Oh, that's exciting. Brandon and I are getting health insurance in January. Well, Brandon already has health insurance and I do too, because I'm still on my dad's. Um, but I'm switching off my dad's and getting on his in January because I turned 26 in March. And I'm sure our, our overseas listeners are like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Actually, I've learned from Stephanie that apparently, at least in Germany, you have to be on your family's insurance card even until you're 25, where it's it's all free health insurance, but there's still like an account associated with your family yeah. mm-hmm. and you can't change. So this probably, this might be an experience other people are used to as well. Yeah. Uh, in the in the United States, we have this thing called the Affordable Care Act, uh, otherwise known as Obamacare, which was instituted back in like 2011 or something like that that make well at the time it made uh parents legally obligated to have their kids on their insurance plans until they turned 26 or got their own insurance uh nowadays because that restriction has been lifted you still can have your kids on your insurance plan but you don't have to which has led to a lot of parents just cutting their kids off like the second they turn 18 or something like that um that's what but, we call shitty parents. Yeah, I, I've known a lot of people who were like, yeah, so my, you know, boyfriend's dad cut him off of his insurance because uh, the that restriction was lifted from Obamacare. And I'm like, wow, I don't understand. Uh, my dad was basically just like, you're on my health insurance. You can stay on it until you turn 26. I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> so um you can't be on it after 26 either. Once you turn 26, you are cut off from being on your parents' health insurance unless you have a disability that renders you unable to work. Um, Which I still think is stupid because honestly, if you're a family member and the insurance is getting paid for, the insurance is getting paid for, let people be on their fucking family's insurance. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's really silly. Um, I mean, I think a huge part of it comes from the American culture of people like not really living with their parents a lot. Cause you know, there's, I mean, there's plenty of countries in the world where it's very customary that you live with your parents until you get married. And then even then when your parents get a little older, they just live with you. Like it's, it's very normal um, in a lot of other places. I'm not saying I want my parents to move in with me. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think a, a huge part of it is just that, you know, there's this weird pull yourself up by your bootstraps attitude. That's like, by the time you're 26, you should have a career. Um, I mean, most of us don't. So this is America. Don't catch you slipping up. So, um, should we do our job? I guess we can talk about maximum ride. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> this is a very, I don't want to, I mean, it's like I, every time I go into it, I'm like, this one's crazy, but then it's like every single episode of maximum ride is like that. I'm always like, this one's crazy. I feel you know, the, 
the old like Windows Media Player sound visualizer thing, <laughs> or not the Windows, the uh, the screensaver where it would like it was like a ball that would turn into a cube and it would have like spikes poke out of it. Yes, I feel like Maximum Ride is like when it has the spikes come out of it and it's just spiking in different directions of craziness every time. Oh, absolutely yes, I agree with you. That is so funny. Um. <laughs> I Maximum Ride will always hold a very special place in my heart and these characters are like my kids but like at this point would you rather read Maximum Ride or Twilight? Hey Emmy do you want to be punched directly (laughs) in your nipple full force or kicked in the testicles? I don't know. (laughs) I think I would rather read Twilight. It feels a little less constantly stupid and making me go, fuck, what? Every three seconds. Like, Twilight, at least I can get through and I'm like, wow, there's some really beautiful imagery in here. In Maximum Ride, I'm just like, I guess. This is why I drink. They just make me want to lay down and die. I, uh, I fell down a twilight rabbit hole recently on uh, TikTok and I've just been completely indoctrinated at this point. Like, I think I'm just a fan of twilight, uh, unfortunately. So um, my next pleasure read is going to be the gender bent version of twilight and I will get back to you on that one. Oh, I'm also reading, um, I picked up a copy of Crave, um, which I, uh, I think I tweeted about it. Uh, Oh yeah, I did. Uh, Which is a like young adult vampire romance book that is heavily inspired by Twilight. And it looks just like Twilight. Like the cover is, I'm amazed Stephanie Meyer hasn't gone off after this author. Maybe she thinks that mimicry is the best form of flattery. Um, If so, good on her because this book cover looks exactly like Twilight. Um, And so far, I've read about 30 pages of it so far. I was just dipping my toes in the water. Um, It's a lot, I think it's better so far, at least, than what I remember from the original pages of Twilight. It's less drawling. It's more funny, but you know, we'll see. So um, I don't think I'm ever escaping from Twilight. I think it's just part of who I am. There is no escape. There is no escape. Uh, I won't- only <laughs> reserved acceptance. <laughs> I know several people who will be getting me Twilight themed Christmas presents this year. So um, I think it's just part of my brand now. Should I get it like one of those like, tattoos on my neck that's like two holes that says edward was here i i (laughs) don't know what i'll do but it'll be something bad (laughs) (laughs) i'll get i've seen people who have bella's like scar tattooed on them too which is amazing like why would you pay to have a scar tattooed on you I have scars I'd like to cover up. But anyway. Chapter 84. (laughs) So Ari and the Erasers are on their way to capture the flock. Ari considers just killing Max and blaming it on another Eraser, but then decides that he's going to try to Stockholm Syndrome her into liking him. Healthy. Healthy. 
obviously. Um, so this is the where Ari takes a pretty severe turning point as a character. Um, and it becomes somehow both less and more disturbing than what he already was. Honestly, I'm more disturbed by new Ari than I was by old Ari. <laughs> At least old, old Ari, Ari was, was just, just vicious. Like, I, I was literally saying, he's just a vicious asshole. Yeah. New Ari is really creepy. Especially when we go through the age regression that he starts to go through in these chapters, which I'm sure we will talk about a lot. Um, so chapter 85, um, the headmaster at the flock school announces Iggy has disappeared and tells everyone to come forward with any info they have. Max's friend JJ tries to comfort her, which Max appreciates. To avoid any more attention, Max tries to escape into the teacher's lounge and notices several teachers inside pulling out capital T tasers. This was a weird scene. I like, I know that schools sometimes have assemblies for like big issues among students, but pulling in an assembly to be like, hey, a kid literally went missing yesterday. It's just like, you, you turned around that quick on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense in the context of what we know from later chapters, but it doesn't make a lot of sense from the perspective of like a normal school. And it doesn't make sense until... Well, like the next chapter but yeah. in this chapter when I was reading it I was just like why is he just staring at Max the whole time like because he, yeah. he keeps glaring at Max like she knows something and I'm like that's Iggy's sister you know that's Iggy's sister so you think that for some reason she has something to do with the fact that her brother disappeared yeah what uh, yeah <laughs> I remember so my freshman year of high school, uh, which is grade nine, I was 14 for those of you listening at home. Uh, a friend of mine uh, tragically died and um, we held a school assembly, uh, you know, as a way of just being like, hey, so this student has tragically died. If anyone needs any like counseling or whatever, like you can feel free to reach out. I can't imagine how awkward it would be if the principal looked over towards her homeroom, like classmates, uh, which I was in her homeroom with her. Uh, if they, if, if our principal turned towards our uh, homeroom and was just like, if any of you have any information as to <laughs> how she died, tell us. If you know anything. <laughs> It was heart failure, so I don't think it was suspicious. <laughs> but can you imagine? <laughs> can only uh, imagine <laughs> when my time will come. I'm sorry, are we not singing? I can oh. only imagine by something life, life something. I don't remember. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Chapter 86. Chapter 86. Max turns to flee, 
but is caught by the headmaster and into the teacher's lounge. She proceeds to spin around the ceiling and kick the shit out of people. Like one of those scenes in a movie where somebody's like spinning on the fan blades. Yeah. Except, except this is like supposed to be real. <laughs> um, and then does a flying over everybody and runs out of the room calling for all of the other members of the flock to to run away with her oh yeah she's like screaming in their secret language or whatever that we didn't find out about until this book yeah um also there's a lot of focus in this chapter on the fact that one teacher that she particularly likes is one of the ones that's like scared of all the teachers that have tasers and seems to want to help and i'm just like why are we talking about this i know it's never going to come back I know it's not going to matter. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Can I point out real fast that the secret language that the flock have that they came up with while they were at the school is just real words. At the school. The The school. school. Yeah, not the the school that they're in. The the one where they were experimented on. Um, It's just real words with different meanings. Where do they learn those words? Why is their secret language not just gibberish? Yeah, I noticed one of them was vamoose. And I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't under... How, where did you learn those words? And how did you learn to attribute meaning to them? Like, I get that this book is for 12-year-olds who won't question this kind of stuff. But maybe James Patterson and our friend Gabby should have thought about that before they printed a book I was going to want to read on my podcast 15 years later. Or maybe you should just make sure that your world is internally consistent and even if you're writing it for 12-year-olds. Especially because it's James Patterson, who is an extremely famous adult author so like even though the book was written for 12 year olds fans of his work will probably still read it like i have plenty (laughs) i there i mean like i my parents read it because they were very into james patterson's novels oh previously i feel sorry for them well you know, it's like one of those, it's like a James Patterson, Stephen Grisham, like Janet, whatever her name is, who wrote all of the Stephanie Plum books kind of thing, where it's like, they're just like an author who's like on the shelves at Kroger. So like when your parents are grocery shopping, they're like, this looks like a good read. And so they just grab it because they're like, I liked the last one. After Ivanovich. Janet Ivanovich is the one who wrote the Stephanie Plum novels, I would, of which I read like seven, in case you were wondering. Chapter 87. <laughs> Sam, or an eraser disguised as Sam. We still don't to, know. <laughs> I, 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 tries to funnel the flock through a room to help them or hurt them. But Max runs straight through him screaming about how she can't trust anyone uh shit's going down outside kids are running around everywhere teachers have tasers and the headmaster tries to hit the flock with his car uh but max jumps and smashes 
his windshield in. Um, then the flock flies off as erasers pull up and the headmaster screams about the flock being a mistake and then just random generic villain lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Sam thing here, Max is like, I think he might be an eraser, but I can't be sure. And I'm like, don't like, erasers about, look like adults who are really hot? Well, because like one of the erasers looks like, uh, looks like Max. Yes, but so I'm just like, so can they clone or like morph? Like, is this actually an eraser that just looks like Sam, or was Sam actually an eraser the whole time? Or this is what is happening? I don't understand. My glasses aren't even on my face anymore. (laughs) I'm so confused. It's funny you mentioned Max too, um, because in case you forgot, her name is Max too. She doesn't appear in this whole section. Spoiler alert, Max too is nowhere to be found. And we have several chapters involving the erasers. Yeah, she's just kind of mysteriously absent all of a sudden. I don't know where she is. I don't remember much about Max too at all. The more we read this, the more I'm like, did I read... (laughs) Did I read all of schools out forever? Because I don't remember any of this. And I remember a lot of uh, saving the world in other extreme sports, but I don't remember. I feel like you didn't. And I'll I'll say why when it comes to my next section. Okay. Right. The next part is me. Um, (laughs) Chapter 88. The flock make an emergency pit stop at Anne's place to grab total. I know exactly what you're going to say. And luckily the dog can jump like 30 feet into the air because they're able to swoop in, grab him and escape with no difficulty despite the 30 or so erasers all over the place. Uh, Yeah. Um, Things are easy when Gabby wants them to be easy and things are hard when Gabby wants them to be hard. Gabby does what Gabby wants. Gabby is her own woman. I mean, Gabby Gabby is her own proxy of James Patterson. Gabby don't need no Jimmy to tell her (laughs) what to do. I saw um, there was an interview. I need to go back and find it that someone recently did uh, as he's like a co-author, like a noted co-author of James Patterson's. And he was talking like in this interview, talking about what it's like to be a co-author of James Patterson's. And like, I, I wanted to watch it, but I lost track of it. So I'll need to find it again and see exactly what this guy has to say. I'm sure he's not going to say anything inflammatory because he's a current co-author of James Patterson. Like they write together right now. Um, but I'm just, I'm curious. And I also want, I want Gabby. I want an interview with Gabby. Gabby, come on our podcast. Gabby, come on our podcast. We have five listeners, but you know what? It's worth it. We have at least 10 listeners. uh, And three of them are your girlfriend. I was like, when we were starting the episode, like the whole bit at the beginning where we were like, I don't know whose intro it is. I need you to know that was genuine. We did not know whose intro it was this week. And my first thought was like, Steffi knows. Steffi knows. Steffi knows whose intro it is this week, but she's not here. She's in the barren wasteland of Indiana. So unfortunately, 
We don't have our producer with us. <laughs> we have one of our producers with us. She's beside me eating cat food. Oh, hi, Lucy. <laughs> but our other producer is not here. Uh, chapter 89, the flock watches as Anne argues with Ari, seemingly completely un- nonplussed by the eraser of it all. When Jeb shows up and jumps into the argument, Max thinks about how all of this is connected for a moment before Iggy appears out of nowhere. Chapter 90. Iggy explains that Karen's <laughs> got a bunch of journalists involved and we're getting book deals to tell his story so he ditched oh you saw oh (laughs) (laughs) everyone feels bad for him and he's angry and max decides to pop into the villain meeting down below which is so intelligent of her to do yeah i was just like why i love the line she's like something's missing from that meeting down there oh yeah colon it's me (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like, how are you the thing that's missing from the- What if they capture not- you? What? Why not the rest of the flock? You seem to have an oddly elevated sense of self in this moment, Max. It's because she's the chosen one. All right, Amelia? All right? Okay, God. Chapter 91. Ari, Jeb, and Anne- all fight over Max in some really freaky mix of possessive, deranged love and crazed parental concern. Uh, Max tells them all to jump off a cliff and that she's done with them, which Ari's into because he can fly, I guess. Uh, But Jeb says it's not her choice to make, then reveals that Anne is his boss and the one running everything, shocked Pikachu face and this is precisely why I feel like you didn't read it because I feel like it'd be really hard to forget the oh Anne is actually the person in charge of everything so while I find that to be a valid argument um I do want to remind you that I also don't want to spoil the entire series for you um and I did remember at some point that Anne was involved um but I didn't want to say anything because I was like, I already said she's not involved. It can be a reveal. It's fine. <laughs> um, Cause there's some stuff that like, we've had like little hints about that, like haven't like circled back around yet. And I've managed to keep my mouth shut about them. Um, like the Ella thing. Um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, I remembered that. But I also do think that I did not finish Schools Out Forever. I have this weird feeling because I was reading it in the sixth grade that I checked it out from the library and then needed to return it because you could only renew a book for like one week and I just didn't have the time to finish it. So then I feel like I turned it back in and then just got the third book. Why? I don't know. I like genuinely, I don't remember. I did remember this part. I remembered that Anne was involved, but also that might be in uh, Saving the World and Other Extreme Sports. Like she might be there. And I might have been like, oh, Anne's the director. Crazy. (laughs) While reading the third book after not finishing the second one. You know what? Who knows? It was literally 13 years ago. (laughs) I don't remember. Shocked Pikachu. Shocked Pikachu. Oh yeah. There is an actual shocked Pikachu in the notes. And when I scrolled down, I literally almost screamed. 
and started laughing really hard. Sarah uh, did all of their notes in Microsoft Word on their phone. I and did. sent it to me. So they never looked at the notes until no. just now because I put everything in on the Google Doc. Yeah, so I, no, I did it all on a Google Doc and then <clears throat> sent it to you. It's just, I, so I, in case it's been not super obvious from the fact that we have not like put out consistent content recently, I've been having some mental health struggles and it's been really hard for me to just like do anything. And so the other day I was like, I got to read Maximum Ride. And so I was, I first of all bought it digitally on iBooks because it was, I think $3. Um, and I didn't want, I already threw out my cat puke book because in case you don't follow us on Twitter, my cat puked all over my copy of School's Out Forever because she's a genius. Um, and <laughs> so then I didn't feel like going to my review. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel like going to get a new copy of that book. I've owned it four times in my life. I don't need to own it physically again. So I just bought it on that's iBooks. the person that keeps buying copies of Warm Bodies. That's an amazing, that's my favorite book. That's different. That's different. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Your girlfriend currently has one of my copies of Warm Bodies. So, uh, as I said, I can't judge because I'm going to purchase every copy of, uh, Gideon the ninth yeah. that's <laughs> released. So yeah, I wish Warm Bodies and this, no offense to Isaac Marion. I think he's fantastic. He's an amazing author. I wish the Warm Bodies series was more successful so that I could get like different versions of these books because it's just kind of multiple copies of the exact same book. I feel like saying I wish this book that I love was more successful is not ever going to be insulting to the author. Yeah. The, <laughs> so the first book in the Warm Bodies, slut, mild tangent, the first book in the Warm Bodies series was a New York Times bestseller and they made a movie out of it. And then the second book took five years to come out. And the hype from the first movie, the movie coming out and the first book really died down. And so like the second book just didn't sell a lot of copies to the point where he had to like self-publish the third book and the prequel didn't do as well either. And they're all such fucking incredible books. Like they're literally, it's my favorite series. I'm currently waiting to receive uh, a signed I, I ordered a bundle of those books all signed, including a map of their, like a hand-drawn map of their journey throughout the series. And I literally could not recommend those books enough. If you like zombie literature at all. No, because <laughs> I don't like zombies, but I liked Warm Bodies. Yes. So Warm Bodies is a zombie. Technically it's a horror novel, but it's not really yeah. at all um it's a uh like a romance it's got romance in it and it's it's more a lot of like an a uh god how do I even say this I don't want to say philosophical or it, anything but let's say I would put it on the level of literature like yes where it's it's the kind of literature where it pulls a lot of its conceptual basis from pop culture yes and stuff being done in pop culture but it's heightened above things that are generally written in like young adult and stuff oh like yeah that. absolutely if like 
it's literally like it, it it's it's a book series that just makes me feel stuff in a way that like I don't get from a lot of book series because it's just so it is the prose is beautiful to almost to the point of being purple but not quite like it's not so overblown that it's annoying to read it's just so good I just I'm sorry about the tangent but like oh god that series I want everybody to read it because Isaac Marion deserves all of the praise for this series Sarah. yeah Shut up and tell us about chapter 92. Okay, chapter 92. Um, Anne <laughs> tries to explain that she wanted to be part of Max's, quote, becoming, which sounds pedophilic, if I'm being I, honest. I was literally going to say, <laughs> when I read becoming, I was like, that sounds like she's joining some kind of weird cult and there's a sex initiation. Absolutely. I was like, that's disgusting, Anne. Why would you say that? <laughs> Um, uh, then, uh, Max is, uh, she says that Max is almost like a daughter to her, but Max, frankly, don't give a shit. Um, she's sad thinking about all the times Anne tried to be there for the flock, but is content knowing that she's better at all the mother shit anyway. Uh, then she hops up and flies away. And tells her her cookies suck. Oh yeah. Callback. Uh, Chapter 93. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, The like a daughter to her thing will come up later. Don't you worry. Um, The chapter 93, Max and the flock split up, flying through the woods to escape the erasers who are following them. Ari gains on Max, so she turns on the super speed, only to realize that she's gone, like, way too far. She dips back and meets up with Ari, who is now sitting on a tree, um, who offers to disappear with her, but she rejects his offer and heads back to meet up with the flock. Really weird offer. It definitely has some nice guy energy Oh, yeah, for sure. I found it really weird that he was, like, viciously chasing her, then like obviously she got out of sight so he just landed so then she just flew back and was like standing in front of him like weren't you trying to kill her a second ago but also why would you let him see you when you're able to sneak up on him just kick his ass out of the tree and then go meet like what are you doing i honestly don't know there's a lot of like her choice to just fly down and like meet with the villains was stupid her choice to fly back and meet with ari was stupid i what do you like she's and i know that max is like smart but also really stupid a lot of the time but like these two things in particular were just like are what are you kidding you did can, you think if this you through if you want these scenes to happen, you can make them happen without it being nonsensical. You have control of this world. Oh, yeah. Gabby, be your own woman. Write your own scenarios. Chapter 94. Max just watches as Fang beats the ever-living shit out of Ari. Just wipes the fucking floor with him and sends him crashing down into the forest screaming at him about how he needs to leave them alone and then max is like hey did you did you have some issues you had to work out there fang i mean ari did try to murder him so i'm like like multiple times yeah i was gonna say when you have somebody that's tried to murder you multiple times 
and murder him multiple times. I feel like it's not really an issue. It's more of a justified vendetta. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, chapter 95, the flock meet up at the Batcave and decide to ditch the parent search post Iggy revelations. And now they're going to Florida. So like, I understand the rationale behind ditching the parent search. I always thought it was stupid anyway. Um, but also the way Max says it is so funny because she's like, I don't think I could give any of you up right now anyway. Max. Ma'am. Max, that's, that's the quiet part. <laughs> that's the quiet part. You don't have to don't say, it, say loud. it out loud. Don't take it you don't say from the it Republicans. Loud. No, you don't say the quiet part loud, okay? Girl, this ain't about you. You should be presenting it in a way that makes it better for them. Don't don't be an Ann Bobert. <laughs> like, why would you not just look at them and be like, look, your parents might turn out to be as bad as Iggy's because I'm sure they would be like, damn fucking Skippy. I don't want that to happen. Poor Ignatius. God, now I want Iggy to be a rapper named Ignatius. <laughs> He'd be bad at it. Or For sure. <laughs> Chapter 96, Ari, suddenly acting very much like a child, uh, talks to Jeb about his plan. Jeb, surprisingly, is proud of Ari and wants to help him carry out his plan to steal Max, which obviously makes Ari very happy. Ari starts acting like a straight-up child. Like before he was acting like an immature adult with a lot of anger issues, but he starts acting like an actual child and it makes it so much creepier. I think it's like he, the anger covered up for everything before and now it's just the actual mentality that underlied, that was underlying all the weird chemical changes that happen and now it's just like this is just a really fucked up child oh yeah absolutely and I don't want to say I hate it I do hate it like I hate it but like I like it you know what I mean like it's terrible but I find it in like compelling it's good story yes it's painful to read still oh yeah it's like I hate Cersei Lannister but I love Cersei Lannister. <laughs> you, don't, you don't read the scene where Bran crawls up the tower and finds these siblings fucking and be like, yeah, this is fun. And this is like, I love seeing this, but you do think it's good. Re- yeah, literally. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's not quite the scene I was thinking of. I was thinking of the season six finale. Um, but you know, episode one, season six finale, what's the difference? <laughs> uh chapter 97, the flock are flying with a group of hawks, having fun goofing, oh. goofing around. What? Yes. Hold on, because I'm pretty sure we we passed this up at some point. There was an one of the Ari chapters earlier on, he has a voice oh yeah he has a voice in his head i completely forgot about that he had he has a voice just like max does that talks to him and i was just like what the fuck is this yeah and it wasn't like they they glaze over it so quickly that like it it's almost like you're supposed to miss it like he just treats it so casually in one of the 
it comes in in one of the first chapters and they never bring it back up in this section it doesn't yeah. come back again super weird um yeah i mean i don't particularly remember ari having a voice but also it does make sense given what i know about future stuff which is saying something because it's actually something that feels like it's been set up gabby were you planning <laughs> gabby gabby all right chapter 98 <laughs> Max dives down through the clouds and almost hits a glider. Oh God, I, 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 I'm sorry. Chapter. That's my bad. In chapter 97, the flock are flying with a group of hawks, having fun and goofing around, talking about their next move. Then they get into a vertical stack, which is just, they're all flying right on top of each other. Then Gazzy like playfully bumps into Iggy and Iggy drops total out of the sky. <laughs> just straight up drops the dog out of the sky. They're flying above the clouds. And he drops the dog out of the sky. Okay, Gabby. King of the cloud starts playing. <laughs> All right, now it's chapter 98, which is your chapter. Max dives down through the clouds and almost hits a glider plane and has like a whole paragraph dedicated to flying around planes. Then continues after total catching him just before he crashes into a mountainside he cries all over her and licks her which she does not like and when they get back to the flock he laments his lack of wings i so like i know this is not the book series to be criticizing on how realistic it is so total falls out of the sky total does not weigh as much as max does I know she didn't have to go super speed. She could have just dropped after him. The fact, and like, I know she gets stopped by the plane, but that doesn't take very long. Like she, she gets stopped and then she like goes a few seconds later. She shouldn't have caught him. She catches him 200 feet above the ground. And they were previously flying above the clouds. Total weighs like 20 pounds. Max weighs like, I don't know, she doesn't weigh a lot, but she weighs like what, like 100 pounds? If she was dropping straight down, she should have caught him a lot sooner. And she also tries to use her super speed to catch him. Yeah, it's not like she's paper and is just, or a feather and is very air resistant. Yeah. And like, I know that seems like a weird thing to nitpick, but like drama, like her saying, oh, I caught him 2,200 feet above the ground where it doesn't make any sense is just useless. Like you literally had this scene, you literally have this scene like set up just so that you can have something happen later, which is really annoying, but like, whatever, I guess it's fine. It doesn't make any sense, but I can let it go. It's there. Chapter 99. Ari decides to get himself a reward for everything with Jeb going well. So he goes to the store. He gets embarrassed because he sees a woman shopping for a brawl, which was such a weird and stupid inclusion. It's just like this passing thing where he's just like, there's a woman holding up a brawl. I guess it's to Uh, highlight how immature he is, but also just like, Gabby, shut up. 
I mean, come on our podcast, but also shut up. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And then he finds the Game Boys. So the salesperson tries to chat him up about Game Boys and then takes one off the display for him to test and hands it to him. And Ari just walks off with it. And a security guard tries to stop him and Ari just punches him in the face. And then everybody runs after him out of the store, which wouldn't happen because basically- yeah companies don't want to be liable for you causing damage to their employees and shit people are supposed to just once you leave the store are just supposed to let you go and they'll they'll figure it out in post Most yeah of so it just gets written off if you want to have yeah if you want to shoplift just don't take your car to the store first of all because they will get your license plates if they can Go into the store, have like a hat on and like a hoodie so that you're not recognizable. Pick up a thing and then leave. (laughs) This is not me advocating for shoplifting, by the way. I'm just letting you know that's how easy it is. Yeah, the only time you're going to have a problem is if somebody if one of the employees just decides to ignore policy and chase after you and yeah there are people like that there are people that will put their lives on the line to stop somebody from shoplifting from a mega corporation that pays them half of what they should make for some reason but (laughs) i am not one of those people the number of times i watched someone shoplift and this is not because i didn't care that people were shoplifting but i would watch someone leave and I would be like, I just saw someone steal a blender. And they would be like, what do they look like? And I would be like, it's a great question. I'm face blind. <laughs> I don't know what they looked like. They could have looked like you. I don't know. <laughs> they looked like they were carrying a blender. Yeah. He looked like he looked like he had a KitchenAid in his hands. He, he, it was a man. Oh shit. Don't quote me on that one. I don't know. Look, if you man, have you picked up a KitchenAid blender? If you manage to carry that thing out of the store before getting caught, you win. You deserve it. Those things what, weigh like 60 fucking pounds. Do you know what that makes me think of? The other day, Greg Abbott tweeted that uh, there was a travel ban on people coming in from South Africa because of the Omicron variant. Oh my God. And he was like, there are migrants coming over the border from South Africa all the time. And someone responded, bro, if they're swimming here from South Africa, let them in. (laughs) They deserve it. (laughs) That's what that makes. That's what the carrying the KitchenAid makes me think of. It's so, that one killed me because I'm like, Either you're actually that stupid that you think you can cross the border from South Africa, or you think these people are legitimately flying to South America and Mexico from South Africa to try and cross into America, or you legitimately understand that your supporters are so fucking stupid that they'll see that and not know that you're just talking out of your ass because it doesn't make sense. It's a mixture of two things. I think he probably just flipped South Africa and South America in his head when he was looking at the tweet. Shouldn't be a politician. Because he's stupid. But then also he knows his supporters will listen to whatever he says. So like, what does it matter if he says the dumb thing? He can just leave it. It doesn't matter. 
Chapter 100. Oh, Matt- no, hold on. <laughs> oh, oh you're, you're, okay. So they follow Ari out. And then he just goes on full on transformation to scare them all away so they stop following him and then flies off. He didn't even steal any games. He says that he- That's literally what I was thinking is he just takes the Game Boy and walks away with it. He does say that he turns on the Game Boy, flips through the menu, chooses a game. I don't think Gabby knows what a Game Boy is. Yeah, because Game Boy's- didn't come preloaded with games you had to put a cartridge yeah in. you have to put a game in i would know i had a game boy because i Don't am know. a real gamer hold on let me check what year was this published 2006 um, i think 2007 so this would have been this wasn't even 3ds era yet this was still original nintendo ds this was and, barely original nintendo ds that came yeah. out in the year 2005 2006 maybe and Nintendo DS might have been the first one you could download games, but I'm not sure if you could. No. 3DS, you could. 3DS, you could. Nintendo DS and DS Lite didn't have memory cards. So all of the memory that was on your games was on the cartridges. So you couldn't download anything. You could barely connect to the internet. And notably... Even if the DS already existed, the DS Lite did not exist yet. And not to be pedantic, but the DS Lite was the one that really got people buying them because it was, the DS was chunky and it was expensive and the Lite was smaller and it was less expensive and it was just better because it was more optimized. Um, So like, she should have known what a Game Boy was. Who the fuck doesn't know how a Game Boy works? Also, like, era? was it a Game Boy at Advance SP? What is? Was it a Game Boy Color? Was it a Game Boy Advance? I don't think it was a Game Boy Advance. I think, I think it was, I think it was an Advance SP because he flips it open, doesn't he? I don't remember if he flips it open. I feel I mean, like we're getting too into this. We are. <laughs> it's just like I don't. We're gamers, okay? This is the only time. Like it's like when Bella was using the capital I internet. That was a time when we could be super pedantic. And now that Ari has a stupid Game Boy that doesn't make any sense, we can be pedantic. So just ha- let us have this, please. Bro, I got the demo cartridge in here. I can play the first level of Super Mario. <laughs> not even that like the demo cartridges in 2005 would have had like three different monkey balls uh probably would have had donkey kong country on them uh just the first two levels or so like he's literally just replaying demo levels this poor kid (laughs) anyway like if you're gonna go that if you're gonna go as far as he goes you might as well literally just scoop up games you have to your smash arm. open the case and just grab a bunch of games. I think about doing that all the time and I have money. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, chapter 100. Max and Fang talk about their plans and where they're going from here. Fang is depressed. He can't write his blog. Max suggests finding a deserted island to live on. I'm going to say it again. Fang is depressed that he can't write his blog. He says... I miss having a place where I could update the old blog. 
I really do. Now I want to remind you, it's been been on the run for like six hours. (laughs) Yeah. They just left. Like how often was he updating his blog? Was he like live tweeting his entire life to this blog? Like every five minutes, just like Max just gave me the stink eye again. Don't know what's up her ass or whatever. Like, what are you talking about? You just escaped. What, What do you mean? I miss having a place to update the old blog. Just got laid. Redhead came into the room and kissed me. <laughs> Fang doesn't know what sex is. <laughs> no, of course Fang does not know what sex is. And I'm going to blow the roof off this house. Fang and Max have a child. <laughs> I'm shocked. We won't be reading that far, so it Actually, doesn't I'm matter. I'm sure that when I found that book in Target and sent you a picture of it, that was the book from their kid's perspective. I don't know. I know the new series is not from the kids' perspective because it takes place 10 years after the uh, the end of this of the main series and the main character is 17. So it's not their kid. I, she's probably in it. But yeah. Chapter yeah. 101. Uh, the flock are flying again and Gazzy wants to go to the beach. The voice tells Max not to, so naturally she decides to go to the beach. The voice chastises her, which upsets her because the voice is an asshole. Then she decides to just fly away with her super speed. Look, Max I leaves, sympathize. Max leaves everyone behind, gets to the beach first, gets into a fight with the voice in her head, has a nervous breakdown, attempts to cut the chip out of her arm with a random jagged seashell she finds on the beach and then fang and everyone else arrives in time to stop her before she bleeds out um chapter one oh, uh, oh wait no it was the end of this chapter where fang's like the fuck are you doing and she's like i want the chip out and he's like you're not getting off that easy you die when we die and i'm like she wasn't trying to kill herself. Literally, none of this is her trying to kill herself. It's literally her trying to get just just get the chip out. Well, I think the implication is that because she's cutting like straight down her forearm, in case you don't know this, you should not do that. <laughs> because it's a good you, way to get dead. Yeah, you will. And so I think his implication was that the way she was cutting was going to kill her because uh, she's probably going to bleed out. But it was very dramatic. <laughs> Yeah, because that wasn't her goal. Yeah. It was not her stated goal. She was literally just like, I just want the chip out. So it was just a weird response to that. Um, but chapter 103, Max just cries for a long time and is embarrassed. Uh, they ask her what's going on. And she just kind of glazes over thing and summarizes everything that's happened. And is like, all this stuff. And then Angel... She's like, I'm supposed to save the world, but I don't know from what. And Angel's just like, oh, you know, you gotta, we got to survive after everything gets blown up. And they're like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Angel, totally. What the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean? Like we heard, we heard, we we heard the early part of this earlier in the book where Angel was, was just ballet like ballet dancing yeah, on the playground. Whenever everybody's dead, 
and all that stuff. And now she's just like, yeah, when the world blows up, which is funny. Like, I appreciate that her being like a child who, by the way, is the same age as Ari. Like Ari is seven and Angel is six in case you needed a frame of reference. She's just like a child. There's a so big she- maturity level difference between six and seven, actually. Yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, seven is the age when you, you're, uh, brain has developed enough that you start to understand that your actions affect other people so i mean kind of there is psychology (laughs) um anyway chapter 104 angel describes a corporation that may blow up the planet on purpose or by mistake she isn't totally sure uh Then she just wants to go swimming. So she and the gas man run to the water to swim, which by the way, she takes the bathing suit out of her backpack and then just runs toward the water. (laughs) I mean, that's how you put on a bathing suit, right? You just get in the water with the bathing suit in your hand. (laughs) I was like, is she going to like get in the water, change and then throw her wet clothes to the shore? Like, I feel like maybe that's not the best course of action. I feel like the best course of action is to have Nudge and Max make like a towel ring around her and then she can change, you know, the way that we all used to when we were younger. Yeah, totally. I totally <laughs> did that at one point. <laughs> um, Nudge and Iggy play with seashells while Fang and Max talk about their plans and then Fang and Max kind of have a tender moment where Fang is like you scared the shit out of me when I like when we found you and you were like bleeding all over the place and Max is like I'm sorry and Fang was like yeah don't do that again like I don't want I I care about you I want I don't want you Baka stupid Baka (laughs) Oh my god. Uh but anyway, so then Angel's like, yo, I'm Aquaman. And <laughs> was she Ray Comfort and Aquaman at the same time? I every time I think about Aquaman, I think of that video where Ben Shapiro is like, so say the coastline rises by like five feet, ten oh feet, god. and all of their home, all people's <laughs> homes are flooded. What's stopping those people from selling their houses and moving? And then like it hard cuts to a guy, like destroying his wall with an axe. Like he's like he is uh, the shining it, like literally coming through the wall with an axe. And then he peeks through and he's like, just one question, Ben. Who are they gonna sell their homes to? Fucking Aquaman. I hate Ben Shapiro so much. So, like, and look, I hate, I fucking hate him because he's really stupid and terrible. But no, he's smart. It's that he knows that the people yes. who listen to him are stupid, so he can just say that dumb shit. That statement in particular, he did walk back. He was like. Oh wait, no, you're right. That's really stupid. <laughs> That's too stupid. That's for like me to too pretend. stupid for me. I mean, look, Ben Shapiro famously went on television and talked about how if your wife has a wet ass pussy, she probably has some kind of medical condition and needs to see a doctor. He publicly admitted that he has never made his wife orgasm. Or wet. Or just wet. Like in general, she's never been wet. 
His doctor wife has never been wet. Oh my Which, God. I mean, technically that's possible that like some people just don't, but the fact that she, like, cause the only way I see this working is she doesn't get wet for him. And so she's just like, oh no, honey, this is all of them are like this. Women <laughs> just don't get wet unless they're sick. Anyway, um, <laughs> To veer back into the <laughs> less disgusting portion of our, our show, uh, chapter 105, Angel makes some sharks do a little dance and wave and sends them back out to sea. Iggy points out Angel talking to fish isn't actually very useful. Damn straight, Ignatius, damn straight. I'm just like, when she was like, I can talk to fish. I'm like, what can you not do? What powers are they not going to give you in this book? We won't ever get to it because we're not going to read the fourth book, but she can shapeshift. She can shapeshift. She can read minds. She can control minds to some extent. She can breathe underwater. She can talk to fish. (laughs) Oh, we also won't get to it because we're not going to read the fourth book. Everybody else can breathe underwater too. Ah. Okay, at least she's not special in that one. No, they tried it at first and it didn't work, but it's like kind of like a development thing where they have to like develop the ability to like do these things. I also think it's in the fourth book. I'm not going to say anything else because I don't remember where everybody else's powers come in. I just remember those two things specifically. They discover that they can all sweat, they can all breathe underwater. An angel can shapeshift. She cannot like she can't change like the shape of her body, but she can like change colors and she can like grow feathers all over her body and stuff like that. So, so what you're telling me is that Maximum Ride is actually set before our current society. Everything gets blown up. They go to live in the Marianas Trench because they can breathe underwater they turn into mermaids and start mermaid colonies. The world repopulates and that's where the myth of mermaids comes from in history. You might be onto something there. Chapter 106. The flock land in a swamp. <clears throat> this is my swamp. And they can't. <laughs> uh, Nudge gets teased and told she's eating wild animals because that really bothers her um then max and angel realize someone else is there chapter 107 two emaciated children just crawling through the swamp pop in max gives them food and they explain that they're unrelated and were kidnapped by the white coats uh they managed to be found even when they ran away multiple times and then they fall asleep next to the fire. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Nope. Chapter 108. The flock organizes watches and goes to sleep. During Max's watch, the sun starts to come up and the two new kids wake up and head away from the camp. Max follows them and finds them uh, taking a transmitter out and talking into it. And then she like grabs them and she's like, hey, what's up? Or something like that. You know how Max B. That's how Max B. She's a hard ass. You know. Chap- 
she has a thing for abusing children and she shouldn't be a mother i know uh chapter 109 the kids explain that the group who kidnapped them sent them out into the swamp to find the flock max tells the flock to grab their stuff so they can leave and the girl says the group who sent them to find the flock was a company called itex and let's just point out here she said the way max describes them a couple chapters ago is that they're like just bones through their skin like you can see all of their bones and shit and they're like i I would think like somebody with severe anorexia like level up thin and they're just like they didn't feed us for two days yeah (laughs) us out here i'm like what were you already that thin what the fuck is going on yeah not being fed for two days does not do that to a person gabby runs on a very limited timeline like (laughs) she literally like it's like fang being like oh i miss having a place to update the old blog and it's like you haven't updated it in seven and a half hours are you gonna be okay like they act like it's, they always point out, but she, it's like, okay, so the book doesn't take place over a very long stretch of time, right? But they all, and they always point out that it doesn't take place over a very long stretch of time. I remember in the first couple chapters, they kept talking about how like only yesterday we were in New York and only yesterday, blah, blah, blah. But then they have stuff like this where it's like it they keep acting like it's been a while since like anything has happened and it's like no you been literally just reminded us that it's only been a day all total it's been a while since i updated uh, the blog it's been a while <laughs> anyway since Anne came in and fucked this shit up <laughs> So, so Max throws candy bars at the children when oh, they leave. Yeah, she throws candy bars at them because she's basically condemning them to die in the swamp. Um, and then they all leave. They do be leaving. Well, she does they she does think that because of the transmitter that the white coats are already coming for him. So yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I don't know what their plan was with. This seems like a really short-sighted plan to send two people incapable of actually keeping the flock in place to do this because what happens when the flock inevitably is like, yeah, yeah. we're not sticking with you. It's Gabby's disaster cycle. Um, <laughs> she cannot have more than a couple chapters without a random disaster. Or a racer does the, attack. Does the does the disaster make sense? No. no. But does it have to happen? Of course. Of course, yeah, naturally. That's the end. Well, the end of this section. We only have one section left of this and, book. Um, as we were discussing before the podcast began, uh, there is a high probability that after we finish this one we will be taking a break from maximum ride to do a one-off novel before we come back and finish this travesty of a series we've been having a lot of issues uh just motivating ourselves to read and i think a huge part of it is like at least i don't know what it was about twilight that kept us going i think it was like a train wreck that we couldn't look away from 
uh, because it was enough that we could get through it all. Um, but with Max, it's just not as, it's not the same. It's like a train wreck that you're just begging to be allowed to look away from, but yes. somebody's there holding your eyes open and forcing you to watch it anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's also like, we've had other personal issues going on. Like I said earlier, I've been having some mental health struggles, um, you know, and both of us either working or then getting laid off. It's just been hard. So, uh, just to relight our spark, we're going to try to do a one-off, uh, book. We haven't decided what the book is going to be yet. We probably won't decide, uh, until after the next episode that we record. Um, but we'll let you guys know. And you guys can either read along with us or you can just listen to us have aneurysms per usual. But for now, I'm going to go play Halo. I'm going to go hang out with my husband. Follow us on Twitter at LitMastersPod. I am Sarah S. Wilton. M is at M of many names. Shoot us an email over at LiteraryMastersPod at gmail.com. Hit us with a coffee at ko-fi.com slash LitMastersPod. Um, and Fund my transition. <laughs> Fund Emmy's <laughs> transition. Uh, even a few dollars could go towards giving her bigger boobies. Um, and <laughs> less hair. Less hair. Um, but yeah, reach out to us. Let us know what you thought. If you're excited that we're not going to be reading Maximum Ride for at least a little bit. Jen, this is your requisite Lucy mention. She is not on the desk, but she is behind me uh watching me record so um she was here earlier eating cat food so you know that's good we'll see you guys next time thank you for listening and goodbye babadook